Hello and welcome to the Uncapped Podcast, proudly presented by Roast House Pub, where elevated culinary creations meet a fresh, evolving craft beer selection, making it one of Frederick's unique dining destinations. Hi everyone, I'm your host Chris Sands, and this week we are joined by Ben Little and Wade Leedy. Uh, ben is the head brewer at Fourscore Beer Company, and Wade and his brother are the founders of the brewery. Uh, thank you, gentlemen, for stopping back on. Thanks for having us back on. So, yep, thanks for having us. <clears throat> I think it's almost, it's pretty close to almost exactly a year since when you guys were last on. Um, you had only been open for a couple of months at that point. Um, I'm going to go out on a limb and assume that the, your first year open did not go according as planned. <laughs> no. Definitely not, obviously. I know everyone's in a difficult situation right now, but it's been, you know, it, it's been interesting for sure, to say the least. <clears throat> so I know, like, throughout the year, talking to you, that the you, you're probably, though, way ahead on beer production and selling with the way, like, how things have gone and um with people buying packaged product do you think that's safe to assume or yeah i mean it definitely ha being able to have that canning line right from the bat um is something that saved us in this scenario and kept us afloat and really kept us able to be nimble in what we were doing so you know it was just a at this point it's just finding sourcing cans and stuff like that and just really trying to stick with you know, keeping on top of things and keeping ahead of things and just paying attention to what people are buying and what they're doing and what they're looking for from us. And we just plan accordingly. We just roll with the punches and just trying to keep making the best of the situation we've been given at this point. Yeah. I think I remember in the first episode, I'd, I'd made some kind of comment. Uh, like it was almost like you were able to make your dream wish list of how to outfit the uh, brewery and Wade approved it. I, yeah. in, in hindsight, that definitely proved to be 1000% the right decision to make Wade. Cause yeah, like, I mean, I, a lot of people push off that canning line purchase until they've been open for a while. But I mean, that, I mean, that's that single hand purchase had like carried you through the past year. Yeah. We, we kind of live by, and Ben's heard us say this too. The, the, the motto is if, if you're going to be a bear, be a grizzly. So that's, that's kind of what we went and did and it, it worked out. I, I, I can't even say how great it's worked out. So. Yeah. Cause especially, um, I think, uh, people seem to like, uh, Jambas and, uh, those have become increasingly harder to get if you wait at all. Uh, but actually in the beginning you weren't, you weren't putting those in cans. No. No, in the beginning we weren't, and it was more tied to the process I was using initially with those, uh, which really didn't lend itself to being on the canning line. And when they gained popularity, we just had to make a shift, you know, and the shift was made to be able to figure out a way to make them, number one, pretty shelf-stable, and number two, just have them go through our canning line and not affect the other beers, the clean beers, the IPAs, you know, stouts, et cetera. Everything else we do on that, we didn't want affected just because of genres. So how... And, and if this is like, like, I don't know, trade secret or thing that you don't want to share, um, it is how, how have you been able to make them 
more shelf stable whereas a lot of places they're ticking time bombs with, with those styles of beer i mean i definitely don't want to go too, too deep into that but yeah. it's been a quick purchases it's been multi-stage things so it's not just one thing it's a multitude of things and it's we're set up in a way where we have we were set up to have multiple bright tanks to be able to serve from so because of that that allows me to handle things a little differently than most breweries do on the backside too so using those bright tanks and using some equipment we purchased and using some methods, it's the combination of five or six different things that allow that. Okay. Cause like a lot of times, um, people, and I mean, it's usually just, um, beer drinkers in groups that really don't know what they're talking about defending their favorite brewery that produces grenades, that there's no possible way to make a shelf stable fruited sour without, um, pasteurizing is usually what or yeah it's usually what they say is the only way to but it there are definitely a few breweries that are able to do it you being one of them and it is if you know the thing i will always say is that yeast finds a way it's been around before us it'll be around after us um you know so i'm not going to sit here and tell you like a hundred percent but we've done everything we can do outside of pasteurization to make it happen and we keep cans out i test them um, we haven't had a single person come back at us for Jamba, uh, having any issues in cans. Um, so th- it's actually been a great thing for us. And it was one thing for me, I didn't want to continue to do that. We put out a few members only beers and cans that were bombed. And I just didn't feel good about that. And I didn't feel good about how the reaction was that and putting that onus on the consumer. I just didn't think that was fair. And that's a, I've never had a can of beer explode. And I don't know if that I'm just extremely lucky or it's because I make sure to always keep anything with fruit in it cold. But then there are, there are also like a lot of people who are make, have made claims that some beers they've had explode in their refrigerator. Um, I've seen it happen. So what at what temperature is it safe? <laughs> um. Like, is it because cause some people definitely keep their, like, their beer fridges at a higher temperature, like, so yeah. it's closer to a serving temperature. I just keep mine cold, and I let the room warm it up if it's a beer that should be warmer. It's all very use-dependent. It's all very <clears> cross-dependent. <throat> but I would say anything sub-50, theory, in theory, it should be thick. Okay. In theory. That's still, yeah. But I guess, well, like, it's finds a way mutations happen in yeast that's just what they're you know it's what they're on earth to do is survive so they mutate within that small environment and and that's what happens you know they learn to find a way to feed even at a smaller you know you're talking about a really small can with very little headspace it doesn't take much it doesn't take much in terms of re-fermentation and you know extra co2 produced to to pop the seams or to pop the lid or to pop you know it, it, it's not that hard to do and you guys fill your beers full too, because I, I noticed that when I was um, taking pictures of that beautiful beer, um, Sun Weighty, and, <laughs> and um, so I guess yeah, if there, there's not much room in yours for sure. Well, I mean, beer cans are literally designed to have a specific amount of headspace in them. Yeah. And what they're designed to do and designed to be, and they're just designed to hold the pressure within that space. So we feel literally, you know, having a single head canning line, um, I can watch almost every single fill. And because of that, you know, I stay really on top of it. I'm really focused on QC. We have very little oxygen introduced at the canning line because of that, you know, 
Um, but because of that, we do fill to spec pretty much every single can. So Jamba's, like, you're not saying that there's no way that like, it's not like a, like just letting a barrel aged stout sit around. It's not going to explode. It's just that there's, you've taken the step. There's way less possibility that they're going to. Yeah. I'm not ever going to say, I mean, I've even pasteurized beers have issues because they didn't reach the proper pasteurization. Yeah. Pasteurization. So like, again, I, I know I've said this a lot, you know, right now, but it finds, yeast finds a way. So I put it us in the best scenario for that not to happen. Um, am I a hundred percent ever going to say, no, these things aren't going to blow up. No, I, I won't say that because then I'll be proved a liar. But yeah. the same, I'm very confident in what we're doing right now in terms of shelf stability with those beers. I don't challenge anyone to sit them on the counter for a few weeks, but you know, treat them like you should treat them with respect, keep them cold, you know, give them a little roll. Gravity always wins. So the fruit with that much fruit in a beer, it's going to drop out. So those are the kind of things we just try to make sure that we do put as much explanation out there. If this is the kind of beer that people want, these are kind of the conditions that we have to produce it in. I have um, some shamambas left. I'm going to yeah. go, I'm going to go let those sit out in, in the, <laughs> at room temperature and see what <laughs> we had one. <laughs> well, only one though, out of 250 cases, we've had one incident. That's where it was. It improperly handled. It was in someone's um, cover covered for for weeks months oh yeah, yeah. That's... like literally it blew up in the pantry like i don't know two months after it was you know canned or something like that it had been in that pantry the entire time since they bought it the, yeah i i probably couldn't found a worse way unless they like put it in a climate controlled at the exact speck of the yeast you use <laughs> it couldn't find a worse way to i um it was funny i had there's it's a fairly large instagram account too that someone had posted about a beer exploding in their in their pantry and it was the same type of thing but it was um i think it was a stout but it had a bunch of fruit added into it they had never heard of refermentation or that like beer like that needed to be kept cold and could explode yeah so i i think that's still like <clears throat> everyone mocks people for doing that with fruited sours specifically, but I think it's just, it's not a common knowledge thing for even people who you, ex you would expect are fairly into craft beer. Yeah. And I, I'd like to say that I hope that people kind of think about that, but at the same time, like it's not their responsibility. It is our responsibility to make sure that the, the knowledge gets out there, you know, the education gets out there to put people if they know what they're buying, like in the early days, if you know, I guess people didn't know to refrigerate milk. I look at it, you know, in a similar kind of way that hey, you put it, keep it cold, it doesn't spoil. You know, <laughs> things like that. So it's like I've always looked at it in those rights, and again, like I never wanted to put that out there if it were going to be a liability. So we just continue to keep we will put on there, keep cold. We always say keep cold. We say keep cold wherever we can in every description possible just to try to make sure that people, you know, do know this is the, the way that we intend to give it to you and please keep it in these conditions. We could always go the hysteria route and put like five different warnings across the can and <laughs> with the, the final one just saying it's something along like, no, seriously, this will explode. <laughs> um, 
Well, I'm glad you figured out a way because I definitely much more enjoy being able to just get cans of Jamba's instead of having to get a whole crowler of it. Yeah. Um, the are those the most popular beers that you make right now? Yeah, absolutely. I, we went through, we canned every little bit of the last drop, which was all, around 200 cases. And we had those, um, I think all of the, we, we put five cases aside for pours on site so that we could offer that. We didn't want to just have it hundred percent to go, but outside of that stuff, it was all gone, you know, basically within 24 hours. Well, they were also good, popular fruit combinations for the last one, too. So where do you get your inspiration for the flavors you're going to do? I get texts from, from this guy, you know, <laughs> here and there. Um, the rest of it's just kind of like sometimes seeing what other people are doing, sometimes looking at culinary recipes in terms of flavor combinations. And I have like a spreadsheet that I call my Juicy decks. Um, <laughs> literally has like a hundred different flavor combinations and you know it's how i keep track of what i've done what i'm going to do if i want to repeat something you know those kind of things so it's just a way for me to keep you know and and when the you know when the inspiration hits i can at least have something to put it right down in i heard he just wants to put coconut and everything though (laughs) (laughs) we haven't put coconut in a jamba yet yeah we did (laughs) mango coconut lime ah that's right i forgot about that one there, there was someone recently that came out with a beer with coconut in it that made me think of you, Wade. I can't remember who it was now. I, I, I can't. I don't know. I just love it. I love coconut in, in beer and especially in stouts. It, it, was, it was a stout, too. I, why can't I remember who it was? I know why, because I have a horrible memory. That's why I can't remember. <laughs> I think the more coconut, the better. True Respite just put out one locally. Was it that one? That may be who I was thinking of. The only one I can think of locally. I mean, other halves obviously been putting out a bunch of coconut stuff. Yeah, it was was definitely a Maryland brewery. Hey, Jimin, we're going to take a real quick sponsor break. Um, And then when we get back, let's talk about um, the next big exciting release that you have coming up. And uh, because I think people are going to be just probably just a tad bit excited for this one. Just a little. So we will be right back. Uncapped is brought to you by one of Frederick's original Maryland craft beer destinations located off of Urbana Pike, featuring a warm, inviting atmosphere and knowledgeable staff serving up fresh, locally sourced culinary creations and unique craft beers on tap. Open seven days a week, our friends at Roast House Pub invite you to enjoy a casual lunch, happy hour specials, delicious dinners, and specialty desserts. Follow them on social media to keep up to date on their monthly beer dinners, mom's spaghetti dinner battles, and what beer is being featured for Buck Above Monday. Idiom Brewing Company proudly offers a delicious variety of beers to satisfy the most discerning tastes. Best known for their wide array of IPAs, delicious fruited sours, and robust porters and stouts, Idiom has a simple goal in mind, to bring people from all walks of life together, to enjoy themselves and each other. Whether you're a hophead looking for explosively juicy IPAs or one of the adventurous few looking to try boozy, sour, or complex flavors, or just looking to enjoy classic styles and seasonal favorites, they'll have a little something for you. Idiom Brewing Company is located in downtown Frederick, just south of the intersection of East Street and East Patrick Street, with ample seating directly on Carroll Creek. 
So, actually, I wasn't planning on drinking during this episode because I have a lot to do to do this afternoon. But I decided that instead of leaving out my last schmamba, that I would drink it now because these are really good. Although I forgot to roll it, so it's going to get clumpy towards the end of that pour. I bet. Oh no, not bad. That thing's mostly fruit anyway, so. <laughs> yeah. This is only this is only the second one I'm drinking. The other two I use to make milkshakes with. <laughs> I saw other people doing that too. I mean, of course, I had to post a video of doing it because uh, that's what the stupid things I do. It's your afternoon smoothie. All right, Ben, Wade, what do you guys have coming up that people should get excited about? <laughs> Go ahead, ben. You got it. So, Ben had been, if you're following Jamba, then you realize that we have had a couple of ice cream Jambas. And they seem to be uh, maybe a little bit more popular than our regular Jambas. And at one point in time, I think I came to Ben and was like, hey, why don't we spin this off into something else? And then Ben was like, yep, already working on it. (laughs) So, what we've got coming up is going to be Soft Swirl. I see the labels up on the screen already. We're going to have a mixed four-pack of uh, four different uh, ice cream-flavored Jambas. And uh, we've been sitting on this for a while, and it's really hard to stay quiet about it, trust me. Uh, The text message is going, ah, we just want to talk about this, but we can't right now. But now the cat's out of the bag. So you have mango cheesecake, blueberry boysenberry white chocolate, chocolate covered strawberry and raspberry s'mores that's the first time i actually looked through all the pictures to see the flavors although i think you told me what the flavors were so i don't know why i'm acting surprised i I guess it just didn't register me register with me on that last one those sound really good um and you do you want me to show the glassware yeah sure which also um look like it's going to be awesome from uh uncapped sponsor acs brand my beverage out of baltimore with their fancy new digital uh full wrap printer yeah i was texting with keith last week and like if i gave you a project how quickly could you turn this guy around and it was on the spot literally you know within 24 hours we had that you know those pictures in hand it's kind of a cool thing and i think they did a great job on them we're really excited to get them in in our hands and in people's hands well one of the first days when they had it and they were printing stuff out um jim bachman and i were sending them just like stupid pictures and the next thing we would get a text back with it printed on a glass yep (laughs) I'm, i'm sure that it's well without my uh affordability but i i really want one of those because I, I would love to be able to print glassware on demand. Oh, who wouldn't? But mango cheesecake, that's going to be the best one. Mainly because I, like, I do love you mango. Love we got, we got hopefully, as long as shipping lanes don't, uh, and this weather doesn't hurt us, we should have mango marshmallow in Kansas this weekend. Nice. Uh, you've hey, made that other... one before, right? Not in Kansas. Okay. We did a draft of it. Draft, yeah. yeah. In Kansas, yeah. The other cool thing that we're doing with the soft swerve on the release weekend too is we partnered with uh, Half Pint Creamery, who's a local creamery in Gettysburg. Uh, she has a couple different spots around town, 
or around Gettysburg, but they have made ice cream in the flavors of the saucer. So we are going to have, I don't know, a couple hundred of them samplers. So you get the four pack and you get the a sample of each ice cream flavor as well to with your to enjoy. And and she's gonna have the ice cream for sale at her places as well that weekend. So you've got the actual ice cream itself. They all match the flavors and the beer. Yeah, we got to sample those ice creams. I guess it was last week at this point. Yes. Mm -hmm. Incredible. They were so good. I love those types of all-encompassing type uh, like collaborations or just releases. It's awesome. But you're not going to rent uh, a truck to drive around delivering the, <laughs> the ice cream beers. I think someone already beat us to that. So. <laughs> um. So... Are they ice cream beers in that, like, the, are there, I guess there's going to be a ton of lactose in these. No more lactose than a normal Jamba. Okay. Um, you know, I don't want to go too deep into this again, but, like, it's just one of those things where we've figured out a way to create that ice cream texture and that ice cream flavor within the beer. Um, and we just wrap the fruits around it. We add a little extra fruit in it. Um, and we just literally just try to find that like almost texture like of a milkshake of saucer of ice cream. And that's been the big thing. And it's just been using some fun products that allow us to do that. I'm always playing around with new stuff, new vanilla products and stuff like that. And that was kind of the impetus for this. So how how will they compare in consistency to how the schmoogies were? I mean, the schmambas. Because um, this boy's thick. Pretty <laughs> Not not well, pretty close. Um, we jumped up the fruit percentage of a normal jamba in those fifty percent. Okay. So uh, we're not quite at smoochie or shmamba level, but we're we're right behind. We well, yeah, I mean a regular jamba is pretty damn thick, so bumping that up, even if it's halfway in between this and a regular jamba is going to be a a thick we boy. Yeah, we, we manipulated the base beer a little bit to jump the alcohol up um, to keep it within that same finish range, 6%, um, but and continue to kind of maintain that. Like I said, like the whole thing behind those is that ice cream flavor slash mouthfeel combination. So it's going to have that where like that one is just straight smoogie. You know, that, that thing is just like a smoothie breakfast, like yeah. almost like drinking straight fruit somehow. Um where this is just behind that, but with just more of that creamy texture, but not lactose. The same amount of lactose, but no more lactose. Okay. So the like it being sauce swerve, it's more of the the texture component of it than just making it overly sweetened with lactose. Correct. Correct. Okay. It's that texture, that that idea of ice cream. You know, that's the big thing. It's like keeping that idea of ice cream. I like the label, the can artwork too. That's our, our friend Brian, uh, Brian Baltz. He does a few of our labels here and there. He did the Jamba label for us. He did the our Parkway recently. He, did our, he does our artist series, so Milk Dramato was him. He's someone I've known for quite some time, and you know his style really relates well. And we communicate very well in terms of when I have something you know in my brain that I can't get out, it's really easy to reach out to him. And sometimes he has it for me in days. You know? So it's, just, it, it, it's a fun partnership and collaboration. He did the art for... Um... This hasn't been announced yet, but I'll be releasing this this Friday, so it will have been announced, so I can talk about it. I'm working with BAM to do glassware, <clears throat> glassware sales 
to um, raise uh, some funds for uh, for BAM since you know all of their events have been canceled and that's a big part of how they raise money and uh, Brian did one of the designs awesome actually I'll show that one real quick he definitely he does some great work um, super talented guy like so the, the soft swerve um, they're cool um, not really as cool as the uh, sun weighty can so <laughs> Oh, so that's the gift that keeps on giving. Um, who uh, who did that design? Oh, is that, that all me. you, Ben? That was me. Yeah, that was uh, you know when we got we got Wade's brother a little while back with uh, Tiger King reference. So that also was, was pretty funny. This was just one of those things that was bound to happen at some point. And one night it kicked in my brain. I passed it to Drew, and uh, Drew was like, "Yes, please go for it." And it's always about making it the labels, the, both of those labels have to be just bad enough. You know what yeah. I mean? They have to look a little like uh, amateur and a little creepy and fun. I mean, I'll tell you that we had a hundred plus cases of that sitting on the walk-in and no matter where you were at, they were looking at you. It was the creepy <laughs> thing. Like, no matter what angle, no matter how you spin it, that can is looking at you. So yeah, it was, it was pretty interesting, but real happy with how the beer turned out. And, you know, it's just fun. We, we hit it from Wade the entire time. He didn't know until he got tagged on social media. That's, Not at all. that's hilarious. So, wait, well, anyone um, who hasn't seen it yet, it's a can that has, like, a um, Teletubbies landscape. And the sun has Wade's face in the middle of it shining bright. Um, so, what was your reaction when you first saw it, Wade? Uh, I just laughed. Honestly, I couldn't do anything with laugh. Like maybe, I don't know, 10, 15 years ago, I would have been upset by it, but I, I saw it. And as soon as I saw it, I was like, Oh, good grief. And then just started laughing about it. Cause it's the only thing you can do is just laugh about it, you know? So, but Hey, how many people get to say their faces on a beer can label? You know, everyone Rest hasn't had it just so happens to be Teletubby related and whatever, but it, it is like Ben said, just dumb enough to be, funny you know and and that's what it is we laughed we're still laughing about it everyone hasn't had their face on a beer can <laughs> i have not <laughs> oh, I, I just thought that was something that happens wait. <laughs> i plan on keeping it that way <laughs> yeah that's gonna be kind of hard to keep from the man who applies the labels to the cans wait it <laughs> <laughs> eh, might not be that hard <laughs> i'm the only one who knows how to run the brew house <laughs> Okay, so there's going to be some breweries getting hit up for contract on, on one run. <laughs> I haven't thought about that. That's a good idea, Chris. I've been holding that one in my back pocket so they couldn't use it against me. Uh, sorry about that. <laughs> well, I guess your face is going to be on a can now. Yeah, yep. It's happening. If you, if you need any help designing that, let me know. Wait. All right, we'll do. <laughs> I have some ideas. Oh, man. <laughs> um, we have a few as well. <laughs> uh so when when did these come out again the soft swerves yeah the soft swerves soft swerves hit um they get released to the public on february 13th so it's a saturday we'll have the glassware so available we'll next have, week uh, correct we have the uh mix you know they're 
the ice cream pairings will be available. So it'll all be prepackaged stuff on that side of things. So, you know, in these times, we try to move people in and out as fast as possible, keep it safe. So we allow for, you know, getting people in and out. We Our, our staff does a great job in terms of, you know, taking care of people, good customer service, and making sure that everyone's safe. I, I would I could definitely attest to that. I've stopped up during a release or two, and it's very, very safe there to pick up beer. Um, so wait, did thirteen? Is that is that Friday or Saturday? It's Saturday. Saturday. Um, and they're are they only mixed four packs, or can you get a four pack of just one flavor? They are only mixed four packs. I assume that I'll have some that don't match up, but I'll probably sell those as individual cans on site. Okay. And is there, are you going to have like a package deal where you get everything or is it just going to be like you get pick what of what that you, of yeah. like the glass, the sampler, the taster, everything? Yeah, we, we haven't come down to price points on that stuff yet, but we, we anticipate the glassware was a new add to it. We didn't think we'd be able to get it in that fast. And again, you know, kudos to Keith to be able to, you know, pull through for us on that side of things. ACS pulling through www.brandmybeverage.com. <laughs> Absolutely. So, we, we, we do plan on having package, you know, package shields and that stuff. So you can grab all three of them at once for, you know, a slightly discounted rate. I can't, you guys, you don't, you don't do pre-orders, right? It's just on-site purchases. We are tiny. Um, yeah. Everything about us is packed tight. So when we do a release like that, there's literally zero room in the cold box. So being able to set something aside, it's just not something logistically we can do. It would probably well, also would- go so quickly. You would just, make people even yeah. more angry yeah plus i would hate to be to set something aside for someone and then something happened I, that, that would just i'd feel awful about that because we're so small that you know if somebody walks in and turns sideways and knocks over somebody's pre-ordered package and it explodes on the floor because it's concrete yeah um, sorry you missed out now and I, I would just hate for that to happen yeah yeah as much as you know we see some folks being really successful with that model right now we just aren't built for it. We just logistically can't do it. I've heard from places too that do like a mixture of it, that it's just a nightmare. And the second that um, like restrictions are lifted and it's safe to just operate normally, they're going to remove doing any kind of pre-sales. Cause just like the logistics of what you were just saying, like keeping things separate for pickup to people, like things that are just available for walk up purchases are a nightmare. Yeah, I mean, for us, we're we're built on we're built on a model that kicks out about 250 cases a month. Uh, last week, I think I did almost 400, just last week. So, like in terms of like that gives you an idea of how packed we were to start. Now, yeah. add all the extra onto it, where we we just can't. We physically can't. Why do you slack so much? I know I I need to work more. <laughs> all right. Um, speaking of slacking, let's take a real quick break. Um, to have another sponsor spot, and when we come back. We talk about um, just like a little bit more about how the last year's gone. Um, I believe there's a couple other exciting things you've mentioned that you have coming up that we could talk about. Um, so we will be right back. There are many reasons why I've chosen District East for where I purchase beer. I love the flexibility of being able to make a custom six pack or take home a crowler from one of the eight beers on tap. The friendly and knowledgeable staff do an amazing job at keeping a diverse selection on hand. You can even purchase artwork from the monthly featured artist. District East is located on Northeast Street in Frederick in the same shopping center as Family Mill and Rockwell Brewery. 
You can find today's beer lists on the District East Facebook page or at www.districteast.beer. To all you craft breweries, wineries, and distilleries out there, listen up. Atlantic Custom Solutions is the real deal in providing you branded growlers, ceramics, glassware, and accessories like koozies, coasters, and keychains. Their high-definition digital printing, organic ink, and low-fire process ensures your brand is printed in ultra-high definition, giving you a one-up on the competition. We've used Atlantic Custom Solutions for uncapped branded glassware and couldn't be happier with it. Check them out. Visit www.brandmybeverage.com or give them a call at 434-286-4500 to learn more about how they can help you brand your business. Uncapped is brought to you with support from McClintock Distilling, Maryland's first and only organic certified distillery. They are well known for their award-winning gin and are rapidly growing a name for themselves for their matchstick bourbon and bootjack rye whiskey that have both won double gold at international spirits competitions. You can visit them in historic downtown Frederick along Carroll Creek for tours and tastings. Go to McClintockDistilling.com for more information. All right, so you have the Jamba Soft Swerve. That's coming out next weekend. This weekend, though, you also have another Jamba drop, right? We do have another 3X Jamba drop. I'm waiting right now to say what the flavors are. Um, and that's not to tease anything. It's just that literally this weather and the just there was fruit sitting at a terminal for almost a week. Okay. Um, it, it's just I can I have six. I have three planned. I have six to choose from. If I need to make some last minute decisions tomorrow, I'm going to make those last minute decisions. Okay. So, um, so it's a, you're not being coy. You literally oh, don't know what fruit's getting dumped in the tank I, yet. I literally have six labels and I have the ingredients for all of them. I just have you know probably two thirds of the fruit that I actually need. Yeah. Um. And and in theory, they should be in someone's car right now heading towards us. But I don't have that confirmation yet. And until I have that, I don't really want to, you know, tease something out there that's not going to happen for another few weeks. Potential. All I know is that the couple flavors that you've mentioned to me, all of them sound like they're going to be really good. So, yeah, I mean, coming most up, likely we, people are going to want them. <laughs> yeah, we have, we have, you know, mango marshmallow. I coming up. I have peaches and cream cake coming up. I have um, some sort of like a berries and fluff, a berries and marshmallow thing. Uh, I have a mega berry one, just with like so much dark berry kind of goodness in it. Um, and some tropical ones. I think papaya, soursop, banana. The dark um, dark berries seem to be one of the most popular in in that um, style of beer. That's my least favorite. I don't I don't know why. I just I, the like the boysenberry, blackberry, blueberry ones. I'm not a huge fan of them, but they seem to the be color, the most popular. The color translation is awesome. Though. Oh, they're beautiful always. They so I love photographing them, um, but it's just it's definitely not my favorite flavor combination. But I'll put mango in anything. Mango, definitely. <laughs> we have a new source on some even better mango here coming up. From nice our friends at Hop Havoc. You got some Alfonso mango that you know we're really looking forward to uh, getting that into the mix now because we've gone through a few different providers and just trying to find the right mix and the right consistency and the right sweetness without that really enzymatic burn. Um, it's been kind of a fun thing, tasting everything and just getting to the point where we're at now and, you know, really finding the ingredients we want to use that translate the best. 
So wait, rumor has it that you have somewhat of a glassware fetish also. Uh, Is that... I can confirm that, yes. <laughs> I think they're cool. These, these hand-blown glasses that just look like, I don't know, candle holders. They're just, I, I, I find, I'm fascinated by them. And they photograph well, and they're attention grabbers. And, uh, you know, they're hand-blown, so they're a little more on the expensive side. but Just a little I don't bit. Know. Yeah. And they, they, they work well with these pouring these fruited salads into them as well. It just they just look nice to me. They do. Now drinking out of them sometimes can be a different story, but they certainly look nice. That that is definitely a problem with them because I don't know that um, some of the designers I feel like have put um, effort into making sure it's an actually usable, drinkable glass. But some of them, I don't think they care. They're just, they're making, they're they're continuing just artwork. Because I've I've drank out of some that like it's, it's almost a miserable experience to drink out of them. Some of them, I, I, I liken some of them to like how like you know, kings must have drank out of giant chalices back in their castle while they were sitting around with everyone was you know praising them that this kind of what they look like you have to grab them with two hands and and do it some of them look like that so i have but hey other ones don't you know i don't know no i don't have any of mine down here they're all upstairs um one of mine is like that um from zooted glassworks where he calls it the grail and it's kind of like you hold it and it flares out and then it's into a big chalice type bowl but you kind of feel like regal drinking out of it. Makes me feel yeah. like I'm special. Then my kids come <laughs> yeah. in and yell at me about something and I'm put right back into my place. <laughs> I got made fun of. I bought a couple of them as well. I brought them home and my wife and kids were like, those are just ridiculous. I'm like, no, look at them. They look cool. There was one that you posted with a recent release that I love. What, so who have you ordered from? What who is it a, one of the well-known ones? or is... uh, The one... The one crazy one that we just used for the past Jamas uh, was Caveman Glass. Okay. And then... Where are I they have, located? Instagram? I have no idea. To be honest <laughs> with you. I, actually, hold on. I think he was in New Jersey. Okay. So when he shipped out the glass, it was here in like a day. And then uh, I got was able to snag a couple other ones from uh, Venture Glass. So it's, uh, it's crazy too because the, the Venture Glass gentleman has a bunch on his site are obviously all sold out and when i happened upon that i looked at it and he was like i got a new drop coming up tomorrow and so i set a reminder on my phone to jump on the website at like five o'clock eastern time on the dot and snagged two of them and they were all gone within like five minutes it's crazy but hey I, I don't, again i like them i think they're cool yeah and they photograph well and they generate a buzz so which i mean really is the only thing that's important yeah I mean, it's it's all about Instagram and you know Facebook photos and all that stuff. It's crazy, but it works. Yeah, I want. It is kind of insane how important Instagram has become in the craft beer world, and I don't. I wonder if there are like if there are any super popular craft breweries that don't even have an like any kind of an Instagram presence. I need to look through that and do a study 
but it seems like there's a like a strong correlation between a brewery's popularity and their social media presence. I mean, obviously, quality of beer matters too, but right, it, it's a, it's another form of self promotion, you know, and it's free. Now it takes a lot of time. There's times where you know my wife does a lot of the, of the posting for us, and it, it can take her half an hour to design and throw up a post. You know, other times it could take five minutes. It just all depends what we're working on, but it, it, it does take some effort and some thought behind it as well. But again, it's it's another form of of, of self promotion that, for the most part, is free. And it generates, like I said earlier, you know, people, someone sitting in California can see it 30 seconds after I post it, and which is crazy when you sit back and think about it. I mean, we're, we're all from a time when before the internet and before Instagram, and we never would have known about these breweries all over the country. But now, yeah, you know, you flip your phone on and there it is right in front of you. The um, I love the mushroom kind of shaped one that has the four score logo etched on the side of it. Uh, that was a founder's glass. All of our founders got one of those as part of their, their deals. So that was, um, Ben, who was that gentleman? Pretentious. Yeah, that's right. In Kentucky, I think. Okay. Oh, he was on, um, good morning America. No, not on Sunday morning, that C- CBS Sunday morning show. Um, a few weeks, like a month or so ago, they did a segment on him. They never said, oh. um, the name pretentious glass works but he uh i recognized him because i follow him on instagram and i went like hurried up and looked and he had posted that they they had a segment on him that's cool i didn't even know that <clears throat> i you know i constantly kick myself in the butt for not joining the founders club because my thought was i'm not going to want to drive up there that often for it to be beneficial and yeah. then I find myself driving up there enough that it would have been <laughs> beneficial for me to join. Um, so I'm an idiot once again. And I could have had a really cool glass. Could have had a cool yeah. glass, made a beer with us. I just need yet a, another long well, string of bad decisions I've made. <laughs> um, so the, you, you mentioned the the Instagram thing and glassware and we were talking a little bit offline, but I think, and I, I'm pretty sure I've brought this up in other episodes too. Um, but the, the cross section of Instagram, the glassware made like a lot of these places, they may, they may have done other kind of, um, glass blowing and stuff, but a lot of them used to make pipes or they, they still might, but they've started making glassware um, and fruited sours and we'll say marijuana enthusiasts where there's this interesting cross section that all, f- uh, gather on Instagram to, uh, post pictures. And you, you were mentioned that Fourscore has, uh, joined into that group for the, the popularity of the Jambas. Yeah, we've, we, we've seen in, uh, some more followers, I, I would say, that fall into that category. And, you know, again, the more the merrier. I, I think it's great. I love when I hop on Instagram and look at our account and see somebody tag us in a in an Instagram story. And, you know, it comes from an account like that or anybody for that matter. It's just it's, it's the more the merrier. I, I, I wonder what it is that um, makes 
fruited sour so popular in that community? Sorry, Chris. <laughs> when you're at home. I, I didn't know people still had headphones. We do because our cell service is terrible oh, here. That's right, that's right. Edit this one. Um, but I, I, I wonder what it is. So, and that's another investigative thing I need to do. What is it that has made um, fruited sours and that like that genre of beer so popular in that world of terpene user 420 and whatever other usernames of? And I'm, I'm guessing it's like they're almost candy-ish. I, I wouldn't be able to get to tell you. I have no idea. <laughs> It just exists. Yeah. And it's and it's not like a small phenomenon either. Like it's like it's a big thing. So I, I need to look into that. I'm gonna start sending messages to people and ask them. So, okay, why do you like fruit sours? I see that you are you're really into the nugs. So what 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 makes those pair well with fruited sours? <laughs> and maybe it's just that they're pretty for the Instagram photo. Which is an acceptable answer. So you have those yeah. two, the two Jamba drops we talked about. Um, what else do you have coming up? So we're going to bring uh, fruit swirls back here in a few weeks also. So that was a sour IPA we did originally with uh, one peach and one strawberry. We're going to bring it back this time with one mango and one tangerine. You're speaking um, my love language. <laughs> uh, right after that. I think we got another Jamba drop right after that. So we're trying to hit those every two, three weeks apart at this point. Um, we got a couple collabs in the works. You know, we got a, a don't want to go too deep into it, but we got a good sour collab coming up, a uh, two part collab coming up with uh, Crooked Crab over in Odenton. Um, and then we have a really cool concept of another sour project coming up with our friends at uh, Heavy Reel up in New Jersey. Um, they're in that, you know, kind of fruited sour game too. Uh, they've done some collabs with, I think, Kings and Imprint and a few of the other guys out there. They're going to do some work with Kush while here soon too, as well. Um, so kind of hitting a cup on that trip, and you know, we're lucky enough to be a part of that. And I think we got a really cool and fun concept that kind of lives in that big league brew kind of realm, and without going too deep into it, with uh, being a little bit closer to what we do today. So you're gonna, are you gonna <clears throat> you're gonna dive back into the candy beer game, something like that, sort of, <laughs> something like that. The big but, like chew beers were ridiculous. I think like, we they, have some really good concepts on this one too. That's gonna kind of bring that you know vintage old school kind of like childhood vibe back. Um, things that we can relate to, you know, folks of our age and stuff like that. I think out of everything we talked about, and I don't think you mentioned it to me previously that i'm most excited about is the mango swirls <laughs> because that the strawberry swirls is probably one of my favorite beers you've ever made i love that beer it just worked it was like that in brekkie bowls like you know changing my idea on what a sour ipa should be um i like adding the fruit aspect to things you know in terms of that side of things and i like finding hop combinations that play so well together that they don't like fight each other that they just work in harmony you know like there's there's a substantial amount of citric cryo in those beers. Um, and it just falls right into the flavor profile. So the good news is with like hops like that and beers like that that are popular now, it's really easy to find these, you know, flavor combinations that work just so well together. You seem to love the cryo hops. 
What, what what is it about those that you like so much? I just like the character they give. Uh, one thing I'm not the hugest fan of is like you know the chlorophyll, the green side of hops. So this takes some of that out of it, and it concentrates okay. flavors, and it makes them really uh, it brings everything together and makes them. I, they're really clear in terms of what their flavor profiles are, you know, and they're really consistent in their flavor profiles as well and aromatic profiles. So being able to know exactly what I'm working with, even though it's an agricultural product, you know, unlike something like Citra, I, it's going to come from, you know, potentially, you know, tens of hundreds of farms. Uh, you don't know what you're getting every time, uh, especially for a smaller brewery. So for someone like me, who's, you know, tiny and doing stuff on such a small scale, it just provides something I know I can count on. I know what the result's going to be. It costs a lot more, but if you're getting that quality out of it, you know, it pays for itself in the final product. Okay. That makes So it's a more consistent. Uh, it's a more consistent and it's a less harsh. <coughs> you know, it's, it's like, imagine just concentrating all the goodness of the hop and taking away a lot of the negative aspects, at least to me. And knowing now what I'm going to get when I add it to fruit, I know I, in my brain, I can already see exactly what it's going to you know look like. Going back to glassware real quick, you had made a post at one time, Ben, describing what is the cause of dirty glassware when people think it's clean. Can you give a rundown of that again? Because I thought it was the best description and reasoning of like how you need to wash a glass properly. So, so a lot of people think that just because there's – there's a difference between beer clean glass and clean glass. A glass can be plenty <coughs> clean um, and just not be beer clean. And by beer clean, it means that, you know, you're looking for things that are in that. A lot of times you need uh, your cleaning solution to be a certain thing to take those particles off, to not cause the nucleation and not cause the things that stick on the side. Um, so like a standard Dawn may not do it. Or if it's like thrown in the dishwasher, those things may not do it because – you're not using, you know, uh, a detergent that is able to get those things off. So basically what you want to make sure you're doing there is getting those things off and making it beer clean so that you can have, you know, the carbonation release itself. Uh, it doesn't get caught. You know, you want that carbonation to release. You want those aromatics to pop. So you definitely want to be sure you're using and rinsing, you know, most importantly, uh, with, you know, a detergent or you know, just making sure you're rinsing the crap out of it. If you're using a detergent, it does get all that stuff off. So it's just about, you know, making sure that you're getting your, you know, we're, we're, we've got a great dishwashing system at the brewery. You know, we're not in glass right now because of the situation. But when we go back to it, we're very particular about that. And we use products that, you know, are designed to clean that. And we let them air dry and we rinse them beforehand to bring them down to temp to get any sort of residual that might have gotten in them after being washed just about those things you know it's just about presenting the beer in its best kind of man best light you know we'll say yeah so like if you've washed your glass with well you should always hand wash don't use a dishwasher um <clears throat> but second if you use just regular dish detergent the most important thing you need to do is as you said rinse 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 yeah a lot of these things are lipid based so there's a lot of you know fat solubility that's what soap is um, so like when you get that stuff on there, it sticks to the side. It, it creates a point for carbonation to stick to basically the nucleate. Um, and that's what a, a dirty glass is a non beer clean glass. It's plenty clean to drink out of, you know, water, soda, whatever you want. But there's just a distinction between that clean, actual clean and beer clean. And you're going to get mocked if you, if you post a photo online. <laughs> Trash. Dirty glass. <laughs> <off you. laughs> 
The dirty glass mafia. So what I do, I always rinse with super hot water and then re-rinse again with cold water to bring the temperature of the glass back down. Just just your um, dirty glass mafia service announcement. You know, you know, like one thing is like a brewer, you know, it's like the soapbox thing. I just want the beer to be presented how I dreamt it to be presented. You know what I mean? I think that's the biggest thing in terms of storage, in terms of drinking one fresh. Like, I think there's an old school mentality about stouts, too, that they should be cellared. No, if they're very adjunct forward, do not sell your stouts. Those flavors are going to completely drop off. If you want those flavors to mellow, then do it. But, you know, especially stouts today that are a little bit more sweet in profile than they used to be, you know, they're going to gain some, you know, oxidation to them and they're going to gain some cardboardy, sherry type flavors. That's not going to go so well with like sweet beers, you know? So that's another thing I kind of like say. It's like, you know, drink a beer when you like it. Aging it typically isn't going to make it any better. So I have a stout from you that is really old it's the one that had the death star on it yeah um is that still gonna be good or have i ruined it It, it'll still be fine but it's like that one's peanut butter marshmallow yeah you know those things they're just like hops they're volatile you know components that are gonna break down over time well the problem was you i got that right before covid and that's not a bottle i want to drink by myself (laughs) So there really hasn't been anyone at my house to share it with. It, it'll still it'll still drink fine, okay, but it's just good. one of those scenarios where anything that's heavily adjuncted like that, it doesn't matter if it's a, a sour, it doesn't matter if it's you know a stout. ABV affects its ability to age a little longer, but that doesn't mean the flavors are going to come together or be yeah. any better. Yeah, every time I see that bottle, I'm like, oh, I really need to drink that. Oh, it's like 13% alcohol, and I really don't want to drink that by myself. That's <laughs> eh, only a pint. Yeah, I should just set a night where I don't have to worry about anything and just drink it. <laughs> um, all right, so we got the public service announcement out of the way. Um, so how we, we, we touched a little bit on how the last year's gone. Um, how... How has, because you guys are, most people I talk to have, uh, um, last week was Dancing Gnome. They were, I mean, he said 75% walk out the door with cans anyway. So COVID really hasn't affected them. They shut down the tap room, just went to, from 75% can to 100% canned, and it made very little difference to their business. Um, How has, COVID affected you because most places I talk to are in Maryland has been very different in Maryland than it has in Pennsylvania as opposed to the restrictions and what you're allowed to do plus added in four scores also a restaurant so how how has the last year gone for you Wade can answer that one much better than I can in terms of- <coughs> um, it's been I don't know. It's it's been great. It's been worrisome. It's been bad. It's been a little bit of everything wrapped up into one. To be honest with you, uh, we we've spent more time under uh, COVID regulations now than we did outside of COVID regulations. You know, being open for a, a month and a year, which is crazy when we think about it. Um, you know, it, it is sad to walk into the tap room and see it mostly empty. Uh, 
I thought we, we, we designed a comfortable space, a place for people to come hang out. And they were doing that prior to February of 2020. And, you know, it was only going to get more popular and we've gotten some, you know, Ben's been hitting home runs and we would like to have people back in, but we can't, hopefully eventually we will. I, I think we will. Um, ben, we were fortunate enough to have Ben to be able to, to plan out what we did and opening up with the, uh, the canning line. I remember sitting in front of our, our, our banker telling him we wanted a canning line. And he was like, uh, that's not something most people open up with. And we were like, well, you're right, but this is only a one head filler and, and the price wasn't outrageous. And, and we said, let's go for it. And, you know, thankfully knock on wood somewhere we did. Uh, it, it saved us for the most part when, when they shut everything down and you have, mortgage payments that you have to make and you have employees that are working there that, that are looking at you and you're going, what the heck's going to happen? And it was, it was scary. You know, March was scary. April was scary. And then May things started to open up a little bit more when the summer came around and then they let us have inside dining again, which was nice. And some folks did come out and, and, and Gettysburg's lucky because we were kind of uh, insulated from some of the other stuff that a lot of other areas experienced, you know, people come to Gettysburg, no matter what, uh, we're close enough to the Maryland, DC, Baltimore market. We're, you know, two and a half hours away from Philadelphia, two hours and a little bit away from Pittsburgh. And when things warmed up in the summer and people wanted to get out and actually move around, it was day trips. So I happened to sit on the local, uh, convention, convention and visitors bureau and, the president had been there. He's been there for 15 years. And he said, Gettysburg always rebounds faster than other destinations around us because we're within major metro areas and people just want to get out and do things. And you can come to Gettysburg for a day and leave, you know, and, and we benefited from that. And a lot of people around us benefited from that. You know, I, I know there was a time here in, in late summer and going into the fall where I'd hop on Facebook and, you know, I'd see a lot of popular places that I follow in Philadelphia area or where elsewhere. And it was like, oh, this one has decided to close and this one has decided to close. And that's that's heartbreaking. It really is. And it's not lost on us that, that we got lucky. Um, and that's all it is, is with luck. I mean, we have to be in, in the right space and the right place. And, and we made choices that we had no idea that were going to impact us the way they did, you know, for the better. But they did. And we're thankful for that. So, you know. And we got a guy that makes good beer and we have people in the kitchen that make good food. That always helps. So that's a big plus. The food is and really good. It was, it was tough too, because we're so close to Maryland and the, uh, the regulations were different. We have a lot of Maryland folks come up just typically as it is anyway. And they weren't used to having to deal with what we told them. This is how we have to operate. So it was, it was very stressful for our staff you know, at the brewery and for myself and my brother and our staff at the pizza place too, it was, there was some extremely high stress time period of just trying to get people to understand that, Hey, look, these aren't our rules. We don't like them as much as you do, but we've been placed in a situation where we have to enforce it. And I'm sorry, you know, it's either get with us or just sorry, you know, we're going to have to go somewhere else. And it, it, it took a while for people to finally understand that, but things did, Things have calmed and, you know, everybody is, seems to be in the program now. And I think everybody wants to get out of, of, of this as quickly as possible, you know. So I think people have fallen in line. Now you're always going to have 
a handful of folks who still want to fight about it. And yeah. we had some just the other weekend. But for the most part, the major- overwhelming majority of the people are understanding. It just took a while to get to that point. And, and we happen to be the middleman there. And uh, it's, it's not something that we like doing. It's not something that we were experienced in doing. It's not something that we got paid extra to do. <laughs> So, you know, it's been tough, but again, we've been, we, we're okay. We're doing okay. And I'm glad that, you know, we'll continue to do okay and pull through the other end of this. Hopefully like everybody else is able to do as well. How has Gettysburg been from a, like an infection standpoint? Has it been an area that's been hit hard or has it stayed? It was recently. Um, Gettysburg started. So from the start of this until, like the end of October, beginning of November, it, we were kind of just chugging along. The, the daily infections weren't that many. The hospitalizations weren't that many. And then it got cold. And then it was, you know, the holidays. And folks still gathered and did what they were going to do. I think I had just had a, a doctor's appointment last week. And I think um, at the end of November, the highest we had ever hit was like 47 hospitalizations in our local hospital. At a time, you know, I think through that they were averaging maybe five to ten, but everything has come down now. That's um, kind of where the I had asked some some healthcare friends about it. I'm like, you know, because we didn't see that, you know, we kind of saw a slow burn, I guess if you want to call it that way, for a while. Had we seen a, a larger infection rate earlier, it may not have been as bad later. I no. don't know. That's you know, it seems to be the prevailing thought for some folks. I couldn't tell you. I make pizza and own a brewery. <laughs> Yeah, that's um, so. that's the way Frederick was too. We were we did great for the longest time, and then for the last couple of months, I think we were like one of the hot spots in yeah. Maryland, and like infections skyrocketed. Uh, but it's starting to go back down now. Um, so Ben, you talked um. You talked about a bunch of collaborations, and you, in general, have done a lot of collaborations in four-score short history. Is there, and I asked uh, Garrett this a couple weeks ago, is there one brewery that you would just love to be able to do a collaboration with? <laughs> ah, that's a tough one. I mean, th- there's some things I'm working on that I have some friends help on um, in terms of connecting. There's a few people out there that I, I really respect and, and enjoy what they do. Um, I don't want to jinx myself on anything, you know. I think <clears throat> well, not something you have in the works then. Like just someone you've never been in contact with, just a brewery you admire that you would love to be able to do a collaboration with. That's a tough one for me. That's a tough one. I know. So like uh, at Snally this year, I met – uh, one of the guy, the guy Mike, who owns Microphone, and I really have a big admiration for how he handles his business and what he does. I think, and that's in Chicago area. I think he's one that I would personally like to really work with. Um, there was a few other people I met through that experience through my friend uh, Randy from Burnish, who's getting ready to open here soon, who who has a lot of deep connections in the industry and has done a lot of work <laughs> before he's opening. So I, I've been lucky enough to have him as a good friend and a resource to be able to introduce me and put me in some circles that I wouldn't be able to normally be in probably um but that was one of the ones that he i I just you know him and and dino from up at vitamin c like just great people just great people and i I, that's who i like working with i like working with people you know good people the name doesn't matter as much to me it's just working with the 
someone who I admire and who I, I really just enjoy spending time with kind of thing. Best non-answer ever. Thank you. <laughs> you gave me two. <laughs> but, but I mean, like, I just, I really, you know, I just really enjoy working with, you know, they, right now, you know, the, you know, I brought up the crafting. Adam and I have been having conversations back and forth for well over a month at this point, just from recipe development, just concepts and stuff like that. That's what I enjoy. It's yeah. been one of the best experiences I've ever had. And that's what I look for in these kind of things. It's like even, you know, Jeff from Heavy Real right now, it's just like it's a really good symbiotic relationship and it's easy and it's like minds and you're learning and and you're you're enjoying it. And it's not just for like, you know, selling beer and stuff like that. It's just a really good experience. So when I do collabs, that's kind of like what I want out of the process. You know, it's different than just selling beer and putting names on a label. Um are you are you gonna be able to do any of the crooked crab stuff in person, or is it going to be an all virtual collab? Yeah, we're gonna do it in person. Um, we figured it out a way to do it. You know, we we have different methods in, in terms of how we do things, but like that's gonna be another kind of split four pack idea. Um, so we're going to you know kind of be trading beer on that one. So we both oh. want to be there for that process and see nice. each other the facilities. We're big enough to be able to do that. And, you know, small enough in terms of people wise to be able to make it happen too. Wade, you mentioned how close um, you guys are to Pittsburgh. Why do you hate Pittsburgh sports teams so much? Ooh, because I grew up a Flyers fan. Ugh. And so, you know, Flyers fans naturally hate Penguins. So, I mean, it just kind of permeated through there. Is that I, like, I an, mind is that like an inferior, inferiority complex type thing? <laughs> maybe, maybe. I don't know. We'll see. Maybe it, it would be nice to, to, to you know, to uh, get a cup here at some point in time. Hey, none of, none of the sports teams I root for, I, I've only ever seen one win a championship, and I, I would like to see that change before, you know, they put me under. So, but uh, <laughs> as, as a, as a uh, Washington football team fan as well, it's, it's been a tough go. Hey, they made it to the playoffs. Uh, you know, and an Orioles fan. <laughs> I don't yeah, think you have had, hope We had a run there for a couple of years. It was great. So. Well, and I'm a Pirates fan, so I guess I have I can sympathize with you a little bit. Yeah. I probably won't. Pittsburgh's in this weird triangle between <laughs> Pittsburgh, Philadelphia, Washington, Baltimore, and it's like, you know, you grow up watching these teams and your neighbor grows up watching the Pittsburgh teams and your buddy watched the Philly teams and it's it's a weird sports mixture here in this area. I remember growing up, the one um, radio station in Pittsburgh, any time that there were uh, multiple sports from Philly and Pittsburgh playing each other near in the same time frame, they would have an F Philly weekend where you could win <laughs> tickets to both games. <laughs> Sounds like a good time, though. <clears throat> yeah. I, f I find that's... Um, that's really the only thing that Penns fans and Caps fans can agree on is that how awful the Flyers are. <laughs> Short of that, there's no um, no agreements. Yeah. Well, uh, we'll see. I mean, we say the same thing more about the Penguins than the Capitals, but yeah, <laughs> I think it's just we don't really like Sidney Crosby that much. You know? People love to hate him. Yes, it's fun. <laughs> <laughs> What's that, one, of, one, of the, one of the best, and I don't even remember when this was, one of the best things I have ever seen in sports was when the Flyers were playing the Penguins here a few years back in the playoffs. And I think it may have been game two or game three. 
and that opening shift where Claude Giroux came out and just destroyed Crosby and scored a goal in like 30 seconds and blew the roof off of the first Union Center. I mean, that was that's a, that was an amazing start to a game how I did, think that I, I've ever seen in any sport. How did the rest of that series go for them? That just happened. That's insane. How did the rest of the season go for the Flyers that year? Uh, I'm sure we got. I, I think actually <laughs> the Penguins probably bounced them in the playoffs. That, they did. That thing, but that but that game was awesome. <laughs> they definitely. Those did. are things we gotta hold on to, man. You gotta let me have something. <laughs> All right, I'll give that to you. <laughs> um, I feel like I had other questions I said I wanted to ask, but now I can't remember them. I'm at a loss. Um, so do you anticipate there being, it being a problem when you reopen, like can reopen under no restrictions, um, being able to keep up with demand for beer? Cause right now you're putting everything in the cans. They're selling instantly when you have to start holding back product to be able to sell through tap lines. Is, is that going to be a problem? I don't think it'll be a problem. I think it'll be a transition for sure. And I think the only thing that it might be a quote unquote problem is it's when we have to sneak into like limits, you know, right now we don't have to limit. We're, we're not selling out the day of, of anything. Okay. Uh, we've kind of set the, that tone of if we ever, you know, sell out of something the day of, especially a couple times in a row, then we have to start, you know, putting limits in because we want, you know, our beer in as many people's hands as possible. It's not just about selling it and et cetera, et cetera. So when that shift happens, we will make that shift back and try to figure out what that good good mix is. Um, and, and we'll just kind of like do what we've done so far. It's just like we're small, we're nimble, and we just make the decisions that are best for the business on that side of things and try to make the best decisions for our customers too. Um, you know, we're not going to make everybody happy on that, but we're going to do our best too. Um, so do I think it'll be an issue? No. Do I think that they're if we continue to roll down – road we're going down right now will limits be in place at that point most likely so if i remember correctly you guys had said like there weren't plans ever and you really don't want to expand the brewery to be much larger like you like you're the size you want to be and that's the sustainable size and that's what you're going to stick to we, we physically can't build anymore on our land anyway so we, we designed the brew house, we designed the brewery, designed everything about the tap room, the kitchen to handle what we are now. Mm -hmm. You know, there'd be extra stresses. If we, we put more beer in the tanks, that means more seats. We don't have the ability for more seats. If we have more seats than the kitchen has to grow. So like we are, you know, the size that we're comfortable being. Uh, so I think at this point, there's still no even idea of any sort of expansion. At this point. So four score beers is going to get hard to acquire. <laughs> don't uh I mean, it would be a good problem to have i hope not but yeah. it, would, it wouldn't be a bad problem to have that's for sure but we hope it doesn't happen that way so don't look forward to um heavily distributed four score beer no no i i I've, as, as you know i've been in that game in the past and uh i just there, there's it's not that there's a lot of competition out there i don't fear competition or yeah. I'm not like weary of competition. It's just, it's a lot of beer to be on the shelf and, and I'd rather, you know, put our products in a place where they're, you know, delivered to the consumer 
the best way possible. And I think that's where like no shot at distribution or retail or anything like that. It's just a different beast these days. And I think it's figuring itself out. And that's just not a place we want to be. Well, in the back end of that is there's just more involved. Um, We may have been naive and thought it wouldn't be as hard to run two places at once as what it turned out being. (laughs) And two places being Tommy's and Foursquare. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And Ben does a good job. Ben, you know, not only is he the head brewer, but he's kind of the, I guess, de facto general manager, overseer, whatever you want to call him. And he does a good job down there. And we see things eye to eye, you know, 98% of the time. And, and the staff down there is great as well. Um, you know, getting bigger, it's just, it just adds to the headaches. And, you know, at, at, at this, I'm, I'm only 44, but you know, my kids are getting older and they're active and, and I, I just don't want to add more to my plate right now. I just, and I, I think I can speak for my brother. I'm not sure about Ben, uh, but uh, I think we're at a good spot. And, and you know, if, if we're maxed out, then, hey, we're maxed out. And, you know, Ben's happy at that point in time. Our staff is happy at that point in time. And, and we're paying bills and, you know, we're doing good. And, and we really we really don't have any desire to do anything else. What's I had this. I had this conversation recently with someone that if um if you're at a uh, a size where you're successful and you can live comfortably that expanding could actually be detrimental to that level of success like all the outlays and like the expense of taking that next step is almost taking a step backwards. Yeah. That's definitely a fear. And then the headache of adding in, as you were alluding to, distribution, worrying about your beer being handled properly once it's taken out of the brewery and all that stuff. There's just a lot of complications to come with that. And you know, there, I, I've seen a lot of people build their business off of a mentality of growing until you can't. And once you figure out you can't, you got a lot of money invested and you got to make up. Um, and that's not a place to be, you know, it's not a place I've ever wanted to be. And I, I, I know these guys don't want to be in that place. And it's just, again, just the extra moving parts that get put into place with that. It's just not something we're interested in. You know, we're, we're very happy with what we're able to put out, the quality we're able to keep. Just everything kind of works well. The staff, like Wade said, we have an amazing staff, you know, both up front of house and in the kitchen. And, and they're able to put out things they believe in, give service they believe in. And, and that's important. You know, that's, it's a big part of what we're able to do is the experience. So does the, um, sun weighty label fall into the 2% of disagreement? Nah, it's all fun. <laughs> it's all fun. I mean, I grew up, played sports my entire life. I played college football and, and, you know, a, lo- a locker room's a locker room and, and a gang of guys, you know, I lived with a bunch of, of dudes from Philadelphia and, uh, I got exposed to the, uh, to the, to the picking and the joking quite early and was not used to that, but I, I, I got used to it in college. So no, that's all fun and game. You know, I, I'm not upset by that at all. That's not in the 2%. That's in the 98%. Hey, I knew it was going to happen. It was just a matter of when. So. so is it the lack of coconut and beers then? <laughs> no, not really. Honestly, no. Um, is there... It's just it's so much work. It's so much work. <laughs> I remember it was the first time I had um, Nick from Full Tilt on uh, told the story about when they made 
oh, I can't remember what beer it is, but it's like a toasted coconut porter. And he spent hours and hours shredding and toasting coconut in his oven because he didn't know that he could just buy toasted coconut. <laughs> yeah. I love it's, making fun of him for that. <laughs> it's such a mess. It's so difficult to deal with. I mean, some some guys have, you know, setups that make it easier. We we don't. Uh, so <laughs> I love it. I remember even the one time we did the 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 ducking autocorrect with uh, Randy at Burnish and we we ordered so much coconut that like I got like I don't know, it was something like two thirds of the coconut in the tank and I'm like, Oh crap, I can't I can't fit the rest and I can't even shut the door down. <laughs> so now like I have to like put the beer on top of that and then age it there for a little while. And now I have to put coconut in another tank and put the rest of the beer that's been on coconut <laughs> on a more coconut just to get it. And then it was funny, the one of the first comments that came out was like oh, this is just such artificial coconut. And it's like, <laughs> it was like 300 pounds of coconut. You know how much work I had to do for that? <laughs> do you ever... The bag, the bag full of coconut. Do yeah. you ever use extracts or artificial flavoring or do you always use the fruits and purees and the actual... You should see the pure amount of purees sitting in the tap room right now. <laughs> it is a lot. Uh, and that's only half of it. Um, the rest of it is sitting at a ter- the old Dominion terminal right now. Um, we're very picky about where we get our ingredients from. Um, you know, I'm very specific. I've you know done enough trial and error to know where I want it, know what you know f- specific ingredients hit profiles that I want. So you know, we we get a lot from Hop Havoc. We get some things from Oregon Fruit Puree. My coconut only comes from Vanilla because like that's one of those things. I hit it once and I'm like, I'm not changing this. So no, we, we our banana puree. Sometimes we get comments that it tastes like runts. It's Chiquita banana in a box. It's literally <laughs> five pounds of Chiquita banana. It looks like baby food. Um, <laughs> pain the butt to work with, and I, you know, so we we do our best, you know, to source everything, you know, from things we believe. If we can't hit flavor profiles without that stuff, we tend to stay as far away from it as possible. Wait, is there a beer that you really wish Ben would make that he hasn't made yet? Ooh. No, I don't think so. Um, he's got the Lager Life series going. The, I know people love the Black Lager. It's not my most favorite thing. I know he's got a New Zealand Pills coming up next. Um, Friday. Ben always. I used to. I used to bust Ben's chops about him saying he doesn't drink hazy beer anymore. I said. You know, I call BS. You definitely do. No, I don't. I'm telling you, I don't. I'm in the lagers and, and some bourbon and some, you know, pastry stouts. And uh, I was still banging on the hazies nonstop. But, you know, over the last month or so, I'm like, damn it, maybe Ben's right. I think I'm starting to get burned out on them a little bit. And I've been to the beer store a couple of times to look for a craft lager simply because we couldn't make Getty's Brow fast enough. Or, you know, Ben would plan it and the tanks would be full and all of a sudden, bang, we're out of it. So I, I didn't want to take our own beer. So I was like, <laughs> I'll go support somebody else and try to find a craft lager in the, in the distributor. And, and you know, I haven't had any beer since January 2nd. I'm doing dry January. And there are days that go by when I'm like, damn it, I just want a lager. It's February 1st, Wade. Get to work. Huh? It's February 1st. Yeah, Get to work. Yeah, but I had some on January 1st, so I got to wait till February 2nd. Okay. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, so, you know, I'm excited for the 
their locker life. I'll be honest with you. The New Zealand pills coming. I'm I'm looking forward to drinking some of that. Um, uh, Hysteria has a really good one. Uh, Be okay. Kind Rewind okay. is phenomenal. I can't remember. I have some over there, but I want to go grab them. can't remember like what type of lager it is, but it's ridiculously good. Yeah, I was able to pick up this uh, experimental hop from New Zealand. It's called Hort, which is their version of their hop growing, pro- or hop growing program. It's called Hort 9099. It's basically more or less a cross between Czech Saz and German Hallertau Middle Fruit, but grown in New Zealand. Hmm. You know, so it's got all that kind of unique New Zealand side to it. And, you know, New Zealand pills are a fun kind of hop forward version of a Pilsner that have a little bit more malt character. So we've used a couple different specialty, you know, heritage types of Pilsner malt, poor malted Bohemian. And we used some uh, German chip malt to kind of bump things up and we dry hopped it with that same hop, just singular hop throughout. And so I'm real happy with the result on it. So it's got like that traditional, like almost like Prima Pils thing going on, but with the New Zealand-esque kind of like... Uh, just bad undertone to it so i'm pretty excited about that one for sure have you heard any rumblings of a new zealand hop shortage for next year yeah yeah because like weather knocked out up to 50 percent of some farms yeah i saw it was uh last month right or at least a few weeks ago there was like a bad hailstorm that decimated like entire crops Mm mm-hmm so it'll be interesting to see, like, new, this is the first year that I can say that New Zealand hops were much more readily available and the quality didn't suffer. You know, a lot of times when you see that bump up in, in you know, just the, the amount of a hop on the market, a lot of times, you know, it's some farms that aren't growing it quite as well or some crops that weren't quite as good or some harvests that just weren't what standards normally are. But I haven't seen any downfall in any of it. And it's been great having access to all of it. What about a fruited pilsner? Why? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you don't want to put mango and marshmallow in a pilsner? We got John with that. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I can definitely see something like you're not going to maintain any of the good pilsner character and something like that, you know. And all of the nuances and intricacies that you get from lagering is just like, you know, it's kind of out the door then. Yeah. Um, there's definitely better ways to do that, but I, I, I see what we go here. Well, is that you like as logger as the way he was saying logger life becomes more popular? I only I figure it's only a matter of time before some brewery starts making pastry oh, loggers. And... Oh, hazy loggers exist. There's <clears throat> a real one out of Florida that I had that was excellent. Well, um, I, I don't think Ocelot like specifically calls them hazy, but they definitely have some non clear yeah. loggers that are phenomenal. I'm a huge fan of like the Keller style stuff. So like the fresh lager that has a little bit more of a bite and a little bit more of that kick to it. I'm all about that. Yeah. That's, those are some of my favorite beers out there. Like true Keller beers. But if, um, is it evil twin or evil genius? I can't remember who makes the, um, evil water. Oh, that's twin evil twin. I mean, if they're going to make like, um, pastry seltzers, I figure it gets, Loggers are only around the corner. It's a possibility, man. <laughs> imagine the price point on those. Yeah, they're not. I I imagine it would have to be expensive to the point that no one's going to want to purchase them. 
All right. I think you've answered all my questions. I can't think of anything else that I know there were the other things, but I took no notes and I have no recollection of what else I wanted to ask. <laughs> um, but I do look forward to next weekend. I absolutely have to get some soft swerve that, uh, those sound delicious. Um, and I definitely enjoy everything you guys are doing up there in Gettysburg, which is a super easy drive from Frederick. I mean, I've made it a lunch trip sometimes, maybe a long lunch hour, but <laughs> it's, it's very close to Frederick. It's worth the trip. That's yeah, a nice. I mean, I, I make that drive every day. So, you know, it, it's nice. Like the nice thing is about the drive. It's, it, it goes a lot faster than you think it would. And it's just for the most part, especially between Frederick and uh, Gettysburg, it's just quiet. It's calm. It's peaceful. It's pretty. Do you get a lot of business from Maryland? Do you see a lot of Marylanders come through? We do. You know, we, we get both from the DC and Baltimore area. It's nice. We're, you know, right at that hour range outside yeah. of the general community. So, you know, we see a good amount of business up there from that. So well, what did, that was part of our marketing plan, you know, before we even built too, was to, to advertise and, you know, hopefully at some point send some beer down in through the Maryland and I-270 corridor because of how close we are. Yeah. What do you, um, do you have any predictions on what a trend in 2021 will be? No. You look into your crystal ball. I, I think so. I think like, like I, I see no sign in the fruit and sour thing slowing down. That's going to um, keep getting bigger. Cause yeah, I, I, and my theory is that it's just, it's, it's not beer. So no. people who come into a brewery with their friend and try one, they're more likely going to like that than an IPA. And I think that it, it brings in, I mean, people like sugar. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it brings in new people. It keeps new people in. Um, and I think it opens the door. We're producing a lot more beers these days, like like, like Hazy's, like Patriot stuff, stuff that's more accessible to people who were a little off put by craft and kind of what goes around and comes with, you know, a lot of a lot of what we do. Um, it just makes it more accessible. It's flavor profiles they get and understand, and you know, it opens the door. But then they're also trying other things when they're in the door. So. That's the nice thing about this. I see, I mean, I'm seeing a lot still of like, you know, we had to put, I had to brew an amber to put on for the, the winter. Um, we see a lot of those sales, you know, huh. Hefe, you know, you know, so it's like, it's not just purely the tourist component of it. <clears throat> there's, there's still like quite a demand for like just well-made or we just put out a West coast IPA this past week. It's getting great response. You know, um, I think there is a, a, trend of that coming back in some way i i agree with that i definitely think the west coast ipas are going to continue to um, i think they'll look different you know in terms of like they're, they're going to be a little bit more modernized you know they're not going to be yeah. quite as bitter and piney and like sweet you know there's going to be much more of a balance to them than there ever was but i think they're absolutely going to come back i think what wade said earlier with getting burnt out from haze is i think like I think the flavor profile in those you can continue to try to play with them as much as you want but they're going to kind of muddle together at some point um, and I think that, that just that idea of just going back to just, you know, drinking a well-made beer sometimes, you know, like someone like Wade or myself who, would, you know, five years ago, never even dream of walking to a bar, not ordering something like, you know, super hype. It's going to be like, 
oh man, they got that really good Pilsner on tap. I want that Roadhouse, you know, stuff like that. I think is, I think we're going to see more of a trend coming towards that, you know, just not a swell or anything like that, but I think coming back to what we, what, why we got into this. I agree with all of that. All right, gentlemen, I want to thank you so much for your time today. Um, keep putting mango and beer. I approve. <laughs> we will. I, I think I definitely out of everything you listed, that mango swirls is what I need to get on. Especially because those cans look so cool. If you line them up perfectly next to each other to complete the swirl, they look amazing in a photo. It's like it's a Dr. Seuss effect. That was yeah. my whole reality behind that can was like, you know, we have Jamba, we have, you know, Salzburg coming up. We have these kind of trippy kind of cans that Brian does with me trying to find that that inspiration based off of what he does to kind of bring something in. And that was my kind of contribution to that line. Oh, I approve. Thanks. Not that you were looking for the approval, but I didn't approve. <laughs> I, I, I don't like the style of fruited IPAs. I never have. Um, and, and Ben did the first one with the Breckings and he, he was, we were talking about it and I was like, Oh, I just don't <laughs> like sour IPAs. And I, he's like, He's like, but listen to me on this. I'm like, I, I, I'm listening, always listen. And I was like, well, go ahead and do it. We'll see what happens. And the response to Brecky's was good. And then I guess it was maybe after the end of those, and he was toying around with some more. And he was like, I don't think it's just not where I wanted to be yet. And then Fruit Rolls was born. And he's like, no, I'm going to do another one. I'm like, another one? We just had Brecky. Can we give it a rest? You know, I'm not waiting a little longer. And he's that's like, he's like, no, nah, but listen to me. So I was like, yeah, give it a shot. Hey, you know, the only thing you can do is find out and i'm I'm getting for finding out and you know prove me wrong so i think um you know i still don't really like the style of beer that much well a lot of people don't it's definitely what i like it's it's a very polarizing style of beer a lot Mm -hmm. of people like it's not it's usually not like oh i like they're okay i like them it's usually i hate sour ipas or i love sour ipas it's a very polarizing that i just I botched, you know, and, and that was part of the impetus of trying to do them again. It's like I couldn't live with the fact that I botched it so bad in my mind. It was nowhere close to what I thought it would be. And I was trying to mimic someone else's style in doing it. And I kind of learned later, like, no, don't do that. Um, but like it just played around in my mind for almost a year uh, in between until like Brecky came together in my brain. And then Brecky, like Wade said, Fruits Worlds was literally born out of Brecky and Jamba kind of like having like a little child here. And <laughs> it just made sense, you know, and, and like those are the things that I really like is when they kick around my brain for months and then one day just all, all the pieces click together and it's like you put it on paper and you look over it a few more times and it's just like, okay, this is going to work, you know. So and that was one of those ones. It was different. It was outside of my comfort zone. It was outside of our comfort zone as a brewery, actually. But it was like, let's try this. Let's see if this does work like how I think it will. I, uh, I liked both of them, but out of the two, I definitely liked the swirls better. Um, and I think it was because it was more of the IPA-ish of a sour IPA. And I love, like, I fall into the category of love sour IP- IPAs, even, like, non-fruited ones. Just a sour IPA, I really like that style. So, like, I will definitely be getting some of the mango one. Long story short. <laughs> All right, gentlemen. Thank you so much for your time. It's always a pleasure talking to you. Um, 
And uh, thank you, everyone, for watching and listening. Cheers. 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 Thanks, Chris. The Uncapped Podcast is produced by Graham Cullen and me, Chris Sands. Be sure to like us on Facebook. And if you've enjoyed these podcasts, please leave us a review on Google Play or the iTunes Store. A special thanks to Double Motorcycle for providing our theme music. Thanks for listening. Oh my God, that's good.